All right, cool. So, so yeah, you got these, you got, you, you pick your friends, you can't choose who your family members are. So your friends are very influential on you and who you are, right? And so as a, as a Christian, we need to know how to behave in different environments among different friends, right? So some of us uh, are only Christians when we're around each other, right? When we get around other people, we start conforming to what they are. Right, but understand something. They have a term that they use. Uh, I don't know when they started with this, but it's a good thing, right? I would say, young people, you know, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I'm not saying nothing. I think I'm doing good. You know, I'm 48 years old. I don't, I don't doubt a beard no more. I ain't trying to hide. Amen. <laughs> but if young people use this term called keeping it 100, right? <laughs> keeping it 100. So, so listen. You understand that that you got. Some friendships that will take you down different roads, right? Friendships will take you places to where God don't want you to go, right? And so understand something that, you know, we can come in here and you can be one thing while we're in here, and then you can leave out of here and be something totally different, right? But God wants you to keep it 100 all the time with whoever you are, all the time, no matter what you're doing. Right? This is, that's called, let me tell you something about people don't like church people. And one of the main things they say about church people, they say that they frauds. Right? Uh, I've had an incident to where, I won't go into detail, let me just leave that alone. Alright? So, but people, they call church people fraud because a lot of times church people do act a certain way. I've seen church people that can cuss better than people that hang out at the bar. Right? Church people. So, listen, you got to snitch on people. You do. Sometimes you, you have to snitch. And I mean, you have to tell. So if I try to hide everything that happens in church, in church, that loses us credibility. I have to tell that some people act crazy. I have to tell that some preachers don't do right. I have to tell it. Because if I try to hide it, they think that we all ain't with that. Right? I, you know, they, they, we have to do that. You have to tell that every Christian don't got it together. Because if we try to act like they got together, people think you stupid and you blind and you don't understand what you're supposed to go on, or you might condone that specific behavior. You have to tell. Everybody don't have it together. But Jesus wants us all to have it together. And there is no rules that are for me that are not for you. Right? All of us have the same rules. Some people think that the preacher is the only one who's supposed to go by the rules. Oh, they do. They think the preacher is the only one supposed to go by the rules. But the rules is for everybody. Yeah. Right? The preacher is the one most of the time is out front and he's outspoken. Right? So the people, they, they say, well, uh, you know, you represent, now nah, you represent yourself. Right? Because I can't get you into heaven. Right. I can't get you into heaven. You got to take, you got to get yourself into heaven. Yeah. Right? So, listen, if I mess up and I do something wrong and a lot of people know about me, that's on me. Right? But just in, in God, so listen, who saw it? God saw it and the people saw it. You might mess up and nobody see what you do, but if only God saw it, right? But but the people are not important. People are always talking. If you got a Facebook account, you know that. Right? <laughs> people are always talking. They always got something to say. Listen, people don't have a heaven or a hell to send you to or whatever. They don't. It's important what God said. So when you by yourself, nobody else knows what you got going on. God knows what you got going on. And you're accountable to God. I I just don't understand in church circles so many times people just, they do stuff like, like man, you can't, don't don't you know you can't do that? 
<laughs> Pastor Eli, they don't know. You just can't do that. You can't behave like that. Right? And so then you want to put it on somebody else, but you need to put it on yourself. Right? right? What, what somebody else do, you need to put it, uh, you know, don't worry about their business, worry about your business, right? Amen. So I wrote this. Spirituality travels. Right? Different aspects of our spirituality travel. Prayer travels. Right? No matter what kind of environment or what you got going on in your life, you can still pray. You still need to pray. Right? Prayer travel. Uh, you know, when you go sit down someplace and you eat or whatever, and you got a bunch of people in your workplace sitting at your table in the break room and they don't condone uh, prayer, they think God's stupid and you just don't pray because they think God, uh, Christian's stupid and God's stupid. I just get loud on them. Thank you, Lord, for my food. You know, uh, uh, Johnny don't think that I should be praying. He thinks you're dumb and Christian is dumb. You know, and his sound good nasty. <laughs> I'm just talking about the nasty sound. But hey, man, you don't get, get shamed in front of people. You be who you are. Right? That's one of the, re- that's one of the ways that we have, uh, one of the ways that we've not been able to minister to people is because we flip back and forth. They don't see somebody be consistent. They don't see, I got friends uh, whose lifestyle do not agree with what, 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 I, what I agree with. And they'll tell you the heart, they say, I can hear from him because I know he's real. We're still friends, but we don't agree. And they'll, they'll tell me in the heartbeat, man, I can, somebody, I don't want to hear what you, but he, whatever he say, if he don't agree with me, he tell me he don't agree with me or how I'm living, cool. I know he real. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not perfect, but I am who I am. Right? And you know what, let me tell you what you're not going to catch me doing. You're not going to catch me somewhere drinking. You're not going to catch me somewhere, uh, you know, huddled up next to some other woman that's not my wife. You're not going to catch me doing that. You're not going to catch me sending text messages. Listen, now I send the whole church through my phone right now. History and get the FBI to pull up all the cheap text messages I ever sent. I never sent a message uh, uh, trying to flirt with anybody other than my wife. Because that's who I am. Because God see me. Right? It's not about what, what you say or what you think. God sees me. And I'm concerned about what God say. We were sitting in here the other day. And Pastor Mary brought up something. We were all sitting in the back. And we were talking about, I can't, I can't remember how we got down that road. But she was talking about, we got to talk about preachers and how nobody talks about hell no more. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Don't nobody talk about preaching about hell no more. Nobody. Nobody. You just don't hear that. Everybody want to be nice. Right? Don't talk about hell. Don't bring it up. That's negative. Don't bring up hell. That's negative. Right? Well, it is negative. And sometimes you got to bring up the negative, right? But how many of y'all remember hell, though? Right? How many remember hell? Anybody remember that? You remember it. Hell, how come it's soon if you don't do right? Right? So what happened before was, and I think I know what happened to hell, Ms. Marceline. I think I tracked it down. But I think what happened was is that you would have these preachers, and they got up, and they, when they preached about hell, it was like they was the one that was in charge of hell. You know what I mean? Just that was, you know what I mean? They was the one in charge of hell, so they would preach it with such anger. Like, you know what I'm saying? Such anger, man. You know, listen, you're going to go to hell. And then they would, so a lot of times they just worked. It's like, listen, how you represent, present yourself is people are going to respond to how you present yourself. 
Right. right? So if I, if I get up here, and a lot of times, man, uh, preachers, man, were uh, just not really fashionably correct sometimes. And, and so, you know, the only, only place your outfit fit is in church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> only place you can get away with that hairdo is at church. Right? I grew up in church. And so no, but what I'm saying is that other people that don't go to church, they're not going to listen to you. That's right. Because there's no connection. And so you get up and start screaming, behind, you're going, hell is coming soon if you don't get it together. Do you know that Jesus Christ created hell just as he created hell? And then if you don't get your heart right, right now, and really soon, you're going to find yourself in hell where there's burning and there's torment forever and you're going to Listen, man, that all may be true, but you lost me. Now, I can get up because I'm nice. <laughs> I'm still nice. And I can get up and I can tell them, say, man, let me tell you something. We live in the fire. You know, I love you. We, we friends. We boys. We live in the fire. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something, man. Hell is real, bro. I don't want you to go. You know, hell is real and I don't want you to go. And you need to change, man. Listen, I, I don't, I don't, there's certain things I don't want to do that go against what God Life's too, but I can't do them because I don't want to keep myself straight. Now, I said the same thing, right? Yeah. But how did I present it? Hold it away then. Yeah. Right? I still let him know he's going to hell and catch on fire forever, right? I still let him know. Amen? And so, uh, uh, but, but listen, this, all, all of this speaks to how you act in your environment that you put yourself around. I know uh, friends of mine, preachers, one time, I think I was a real good friend of them. And uh, we did a lot of stuff together. When I first got into ministry, and I think I probably told you this story before, but uh, man was real strong doing stuff for God. But his wife, she decided she didn't want to go to church no more. So she's like, you know, I, I want to be going out. You know, I want to go dancing. I want to go out. I want to do these things like that. And so what he did was he decided that he was not going to stop serving God so he could keep his marriage. Okay, well, Pastor, don't you supposed to try to keep your marriage? Yeah, but right. So the Bible says there's a couple of clear reasons, uh, you know, why this thing can come undone. Now don't go trying to mess your stuff up because you think I'm, I'm, not, I'm just talking, I'm describing the situation. I'm not giving suggestions. All right? So if, if the spouse, the Bible says the spouse is unfaithful, right? So they, they go and have relations with somebody else, right? So that's, that's grounds for divorce. If you have an unbelieving spouse that leaves, just catch it out and say, I don't want to be with you no more. Listen, you can't do nothing about that. Right? And so in his case, what his, his spouse don't want to do, right, he, you know, you give an ultimatum. Listen, you go to the club if you want to, I'm going to church. Right? You, you can do what, whatever you, you feel like you need to do. I, I would rather you come and be around the Lord, but if you, you, you just feel like you got to do that, you got to do that. You know, listen, you don't do everything for the sake of unity. Sometimes you got to you got to put your foot down and say no, no, no. Not just you can't just do everything to stay on the same page so everybody can be happy. Sometimes you got to say no, right? You know, sometimes in our relationship, my mom tells me she said no, we can't do that. And then sometimes in my situation, where I tell her no, we can't do that, right? And so what ha- what happens after that is that we have to have a discussion so we can find some kind of common ground. But you don't just go along. Nobody should just go along with their spouse, whatever they put down, whatever they say. You just go with it. No, right? You discuss it. It's okay to disagree. 
And it's how you disagree. It's how you beat in a, in a relationship. That's the thing. So if I sit down and, and, and you know, I, I'm not going to come to her and try to fix our problem with yelling. That's not the way to fix it. Right? But I can sit down and I can tell her, no, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to do it. I don't believe that. I, that's, that's not. And so then she come back with why. So then I, I owe her an explanation why. And we sit down and we talk about it. Now, I may get mad. I may get loud. Pastor, you get loud talking to Pastor Lord? Oh, yeah, sometimes. Because <laughs> I'm a human being. Right? And sometimes you get loud. Loud talking to me. Right? <laughs> but but we you know how to de-escalate it and we take it back to where it needs to go. I mean this is my world right here. I love this girl. But we will we will fight and argue in a minute. That's just what it is. But I love her, I wouldn't train her for nothing. For 10 Cadillacs, I wouldn't train her. <laughs> I wouldn't. But 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 so so again, your behavior is going to be affected by who you're around. Listen, if you want to grow your marriage, you need to be around people who know how to be married. Right? You need to be around folks who know how to be married. If you don't, if you're not around folks who know how to be married, you ain't growing a married. Right? If you want to be a good Christian, you got to be around good Christian people who know how to be a good Christian. Not some clown who's perpetrating a fraud. Right? And so, so, so for me, my thing is this. When I, when I got saved, the Lord saved me out of organized crime and strip clubs and all this other kind of stuff. That was me. Yes, I used to do that, you know, 20-something years ago. But it was never an issue for me when I got saved. Once I heard the, 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 the deal, when they presented me with the deal, like uh, the man of God just did a while ago, they presented the deal. Jesus. Wow. He died? He was willing to die? Huh? Cross? Start flipping the pages. Oh no, this is terrible. They put railroad spikes in his hands. Well, they stabbed him in the side, hung him up on some cross. All out in the sun, and all this is terrible. Whipped the skin off his back. Oh, this dude was hard. This is a real guy right here. This guy did this for me? So, so for me, it was never a thing to where I was afraid. Or ashamed of Jesus. Anybody who would do this for me, how can I be ashamed of? There's no one that would do this for me that's going to ever make me be ashamed. So when you, you don't never have to tell me to be, not to be ashamed of God. Because that's utter foolishness. If you have any concept of what Jesus Christ ever did for mankind, I, I, it's no shame in it. Why? This, this guy came knowing when he was... Uh, 12 years old, what his destiny in his life was going to be about. Could at any time said, no, I'm not going to do it because he said it out of his own mouth. He said, God, was another way. Nevertheless, I'll go through with it. The scripture says, for the joy before him, he endured the cross. What was that joy set before him? It was us. Being able to be be, uh, his family and to be able to go and be in heaven with him. Right, so so when I so when I go in an environment, I'm not gonna hide who I am in no environment. This is who I am. I mean, I love God. I'm, I don't I don't got no secrets. I don't. I'm, it's not no sneaking and doing dope. No sneaking. No man. No, because I got a relationship with Him. I talk to Him all day long, and I know He sees what I do. Right. And it's not because I listen. Go back to, let's go back to the hill thing. 
People are not scared. You can't be scaring people no more like you used to. They're not scared no more. Right? You used to just, you know, get up there with the hill and scare them, and everybody started crying and walking out. And people ain't scared of stuff no more. They, we got the internet and social media, they ain't scared of nothing. They got movies and they just ain't scared. You ain't scared. If you can't put it to them in a way to make them understand what's going on, you ain't scared. Right? And so, understanding that, you have to, you have to be an example. Right? So I'm not going to scare you into loving God. I'm going to show you how to do it. Some people don't know how to act around non-Christians. They literally don't know how, they don't know how to do it. They, they're uncomfortable. And listen, some of them think that, you know, this is the way, this is the way it's done. Who got a Bible in here? Let me see that. Some people think this is how you do it. They think that when it's a family fellowship and you come in like this, hey y'all. <laughs> Praise be to God. Right? Give it honor to God. You know, my pastor, man, we know your pastor. You be from Houston and then we're in California. You step in the door with all this religious rhetoric and all this, you know, hey, you can praise God, believe that, you know, we all blessed in here, we're going to be blessed. And, you know, start talking all this stuff and you start charging people up. They don't want you that. It's a family function. It's about eating and laughing. It's not time for that. How can you say that, Pastor Levi? Because that's how Jesus rolled. That's right. Read the Bible. Jesus knew how to act in a certain environment. And you know what? That what they would do is they wound up asking him questions. Some of us can't get an invitation to a family function because you don't know how to act. You can't get. They don't want you over there, Pastor Ben. They don't want you there. But I'm telling you, the man God talked about being a light. If the people will see the light in you if that's who you are. And you know what they will do? They will ask you. People always got problems. And they will come to you. And they will ask you. They might be ashamed because they don't got, hey, uh, can I speak to you for a minute? Can I speak to you? Listen, you go to church. That's because that's all they know. That's their way of saying you're a Christian. You go to church, don't you? Hey, I've been having this issue and I've been thinking about going to church. And I just can't see whatever the issue. So they start telling you, there's your opportunity, right? Let me, let me tell you, listen, listen to me. The Bible says he that is wise when it souls. Right? He that is wise when it souls. I have, uh, 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 and I've told you this story before, I'm going to tell you again. I have friends of mine who were secular guys, they got businesses or whatever. And some of them very famous or whatever. So I go to their place to visit them and I sit down there and I'm talking to them. I understand that, you know, that I just can't bust out and start preaching the sermon right there. I understand. But inevitably, I never leave without preaching one. Now, I'm sitting there minding my business and, and you know, they, they have a conversation. I remember this one guy came in and he had just got out of the penitentiary. He was in the penitentiary for 28 years. So they had him in there and he's talking and he, this guy, he was the uh, he was the Muslim Quran teacher and the pastor. He was dual roles. Right? So the penitentiary, he ain't had nothing but time to read. Right? And so we, what we can do is we can put people down for not being a Christian but the man knew his Bible more than most church folks. Where the scriptures were found, he didn't know the God of the Bible. He knew the Bible. 
Right? So he's sitting down and he wants to talk about this and about that. I mind you, I, they had just come and prodded me for information. Me, they had just come and prodded me for information a few minutes prior to. And I'll tell you where I was. I was at Swisher House. The, 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 the record label Swisher House, I was at their office right there. One of the dudes that own it is my, my friend. Right? So I'm there at their office. They put the groups, Paul Wall and Simpson and all these people. Uh, national artists, right right here. So I'm there, and, and every time I go, they want to, dudes coming in the office, they want me to talk, and they want me to preach. They want me to say, they want, me to, they want their friends to listen to what I got to say, right? Because they're impressed, but they're scared, Lenny, to, to jump on over on my side. So they want their friends for me to talk to their friends, right? So I just got through preaching to the friends, so this guy comes in, they said they wanted to see what, how I was going to fare against this guy, right? The, the penitentiary guy, right? So I'm, I'm tired. You know, if you, if you, you, you seriously get tired, I just got through talking to these people, man, preaching hard to them. You want me to preach to this guy, and he's a different level of challenge. Right? So I took a couple deep breaths. I don't know what we was talking about. We're going back and forth. He's talk, talking about the scripture. He, he wants to shine and show out, uh, that he's some, you know, uh, authority, and he's some smart guy, and this and that and the other. I don't care what you think I'm a smart guy or not. I just stand for the Lord whenever I get the opportunity. Right? So we're there, we're talking, we had this conversation, and I'll be honest with you, there was, it was, there was no clear winner in whatever we debated. Because I was tired, if I would have been tired, I would have got it. Right? <laughs> so we're there, and then, I guess it was maybe a month or two later, they call me and they say, man, my, my man, you remember the guy you were talking with over there, this, that, and the other? And the conversation never got hostile, right? The guy you were talking about over at the office, he died. He was, this was probably, this was some years back, so he wasn't an old guy. Dude just dropped dead. Dropped, dropped dead. See, that's, that's the thing. You can't outrun God, man. Mm-hmm. You're running around fooling people. And you, how you going to be the, 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 the Muslim guy and the pastor at the same time? Right. And not, that's not living for God. Right? And so, and, you know, how are you going to be giving people all this bad information, being a bad example? You're not going to outrun God. Living the wrong way. You're not going to outrun Whatever thing you're trying to outrun. Whatever sin got you in the headlock, you're not outrunning that thing. You're not going to outrun it. Matter of fact, let's go there. Let's look at uh, James chapter 1. Let me tell you, and not only are you not going to outrun it, your friends are not going to outrun it. So you think your friends that live how they want to live, they go out and they party and they do whatever they want to do, and if all they belong to God, you think they're, they're not outrunning that thing. You're not going to outrun it, they're not going to outrun it. You just have to be smart enough to understand that God made this thing, man. He made it. It's His. What He says is true. It's going to happen. Right? It's going to happen just like He said it. And you have to respect that. Now watch this. James chapter 1, verse 12. And I'm almost done. He says this, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Start at verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation and has been approved. He will, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say that when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot, did you hear, does your Bible say the same thing? Yes, sir. God cannot be tempted of evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one of you, when he is tempted, 
when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So it says that <coughs> God's not your tempter, you tempting yourself. There is something, a lot of times, from the way you've been brought up, the way uh, uh, things you've experienced out of life, that gets you going one way or another way. Right? So there's a temptation. And we follow a temptation, something that, that God does not want us to in, indulge in. If we follow that temptation and go in that direction, God said, I didn't dangle it in front of your face. You did it to yourself. Right? So what you have to do is, uh, you, what you have to do is you have to remove yourself from that temptation. Right? Why do I need to do that? Because when you don't, you're playing with fire. Watch this. 15. It says, then when, okay, let, let me back up 14 again. But when each one is tempted, when he is drawn away by his own entire desires and enticed. Now watch this. 15, watch the process. Then, when the desire has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is full grown, it brings forth death. Okay? So the uh, the King James Version says that when sin uh, is finished, it brings forth death. So you got a process. First process. Part of the process is that you're enticed. I'm enticed. I'm, I'm drawn to this. Right? Whatever that sin may be, I'm drawn to it. The second thing is you give in to it. Right? And the, and the third thing is that people say, well, I'm, I do this and I do all these things and it, it don't seem to be affecting me. I'm okay. What? Yeah, you're okay. You're good. Sin, when it gets full grown, That's because your sin is not full grown yet. See, once it gets full grown, listen, anybody ever seen these uh, uh, serial killers? Right? And they'll show pictures like they got a documentary on Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy's little bitty baby. Right? Smiling. (laughs) And stuff like that. And he starts to grow with teenage years. And they show a lot of times those serial killers, they they start killing animals and stuff like that, right? And so, first he was a baby, he was just like anybody else a baby. Taking him to church and, you know, praise God. You know, whatever, that's whatever. You take him to the grocery store or whatever, do your job. You take him around, change his diaper, and he gets his mama and daddy. But then it starts to grow up. So, the, the grown Ted Bundy is not the baby Ted Bundy. Listen, baby sin is not the same as grown sin. Baby sin. Hey, when it get finished, listen, you think, when you first start, you think you got that. Right? I remember when I was, I was 17, 18 years old, and we went to the, uh, it was prom time, and it was uh, graduation time. Right? So I, I never, I, I would steal drinks. If my parents had a party, I would go grab somebody's drink and hit it real quick and put it back down. They wouldn't know I did it. You know, kids do that. Listen, if you drink like that, I'm going to tell you something. Your kids are drinking your liquor. Right? They, they're sneaking and drinking a little. Right? And you can give them an example. Right? So, I would do that. But when, when we got graduation time, there all the people, they was like, they had this Boone Farm wine. Anybody remember that Boone Farm wine? Right? So we would go and get the Boone Farm wine, and everybody at graduation, they had Boone Farm. So we, that's when I started drinking. I started drinking. And see, it was okay because you drink a little bit easy. Ha ha, we're going to the beach. He's ha ha. Right? Come on the couch. <laughs> yeah, right? And so then later on, Boom Farm was a thing. Mad Dog 2020. 
Tell me, let me see hands. Man, you know what I'm saying. Okay, so you, 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 there's a progression. Ooh, that stuff tasted terrible. Right? And so then you, you keep this thing. And so then later on what happened was, you know, I'm going and I'm buying. Well, these different alcohols. And then I, you know, and then I look around. I'm paying $67 for a bottle of Hennessy. $67. Do you know how much Kool-Aid I could have bought soda water with that $67? I'm thinking about how much money I'm blowing. This was my advice, though. Right? This is our fight. We would get up in the morning and drink it. That's what we did. Right? And so, something that I thought that I had a hold on when I was, when I was young, I didn't realize that I got older and had a hold on me. Right? And so here, I, now I've got to go through a process to get myself free. Well, I told you another story. When I was younger, in the seventh grade, my stepdad, he came to me one time and he said, he said, man, he asked me, you know, man, you got a girlfriend? I said, well, no, I ain't got no girlfriend right now. I was, like, playing ball and stuff. I worry about no girl. And so, uh, but it made me feel some type of way. Like, uh, maybe I should go get one. Right? So then I started, I told y'all, I watched the videos, Richard Gere, American Gigolo. I started learning how to talk to women. You know, this, that, and the other. And so then what happened was, because I, I felt like I needed to get a girlfriend. Right? So then I'd go and I'd do that. And then, uh, after a while, I couldn't switch it off. So that was in the seventh grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th. I couldn't switch it off. I'm a grown man and I got a problem with women now. Right? I have two, three girlfriends, this, that, and the other, lying to everybody, this one, that, and the other. I, I, see, what I thought that I was handling, it was handling me now. So then I meet her, and, and that's what happened when I met her. She told you the fly line that I gave her when I met her. <laughs> At the bottom of the stairs. So she's at the top of the stairs, and I see her, and she says, uh, her friend says, Levi, everybody's gone from the party. I took these two girls home to come back to the top of her. So they discarded them, got them to the house, and got back over here at the bottom of the stairs. Is Levi, what happened? Uh, Did you forget something? I said, yeah, I forgot her. That's the first word I ever said to her. She said, how long have you been together? 20-some years, man. Just had an anniversary. Y'all just gave us an anniversary kid. Right? So listen, even, 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 because when I saw her, it was, it was, the thing was working. Lenny was working when I saw her. So I was like, I didn't know she was going to be my wife. I was going to get saved. I didn't know nothing that was going to happen. Because the thing was working. So all that I knew is I liked that girl. That girl was hot, boy. I knew that I'd seen the girl for years. That's that girl. Right? And so the thing was working. So then I, I met her. Now listen, after we met, it wasn't smooth sailing because the thing was still on, Brian. Do you hear what I'm saying? It was still on. It was still in me. The thing that I thought I could control, I couldn't switch it off. Right? And so then it took the holy, the infilling of the Holy Ghost for me to be able to control it. Listen, I'm gonna be, I'll be flat foot honest with you. No other three parts tell you that. It still ain't off. Come on now. But the Holy Ghost got it under control. Yeah. I still fight to keep it under control. Do you hear what I'm saying? Not that I don't love my wife or I want some other woman. The thing took on a life of its own. 
You think that you're indulging in some kind of sin and you can control it? No, it's just not finished with you yet. Once it gets finished, it'll choke the life out of your marriage. It'll choke the life out of your health. It'll choke the life out of your sanity. It'll choke the life out of your money. When you engage in things that God said, no, don't engage in, it's going to come back and get you like a bear. It's coming for you. You have to respect what God say do and what God say don't do. Because it's going to come get you. Now through, in my case, I learned to put up boundaries. It's, it's amazing what can happen with a wall. Anybody ever thought about that? Somebody could be in the bathroom. I got to get you to understand, lady. That's all I'm trying to do. Right? Somebody, somebody could be in the bathroom on this side of the wall. And other people could be over there having a party on this side of the wall. Right? But because there's a wall right there, you're two feet away in the bathroom. But that wall does exactly what it's supposed to do. It keeps the divide between the two situations. Right? So I make rules for myself. Right? I make rules for myself. I keep myself transparent. My wife calls. I'm picking up the phone. My wife will take my phone right now, go through it. I don't got zero to hide. I put a wall. There's certain ways that I conduct myself around women. I try not to say things that could be perceived as flirtatious Amen. to women. Right? I put up put up walls. Right? And, and so, but my who had an idea that from the seventh grade that this thing would, would seek to consume my life. I see when you get to a place of maturity, you understand the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the thing that has you in the headlock is not as simple as you think it is. It's a spiritual thing sent from the enemy to choke the life out of you and kill you. That's right. Whatever that thing is that you battle, you're trying to battle something from a flesh perspective, but it's a spiritual thing that's attacking you, trying to destroy you. That's right. And the spiritual battle cannot be won with fleshly weapons. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of whatever the stronghold that, that, that the devil's trying to put on you. That's right. Amen? Amen. Oh, last thing. I'll read this and I'll be done. So watch this. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. He says, And finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord uh, that you should abound more and more just as you have received, just as, as you received from us how you ought to walk and please God. For you know what commandments we have, uh, we gave you through the, the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. And sanctification, honor, not in passion of lust, like as the Gentiles who do not know God, uh, that, no, that no one should take advantage of you and defraud you, brother, in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all, uh, as we also forewarned testify for God did not call us for uncleanness, but the holiness. So the key words I want you to get here is possess your vessel. Yeah. Right? Write that down. You taking notes? Possess your vessel. That means control yourself. Come on now. 
Control yourself. Remember I told you, I just transparent to you about my, my situation, right? Whatever your situation is, the Bible said control yourself. Possess your vessel. Yes. That's what that means. That means get a hold of yourself. You can't just talk about people like to make the excuse, I just can't help myself. That's a lie, man. You can help yourself. Yeah. Because if, listen, if a person can't help themselves in this one thing, what do we do about the child predator when he uses the same excuse, I just can't help myself? Wow. That's real. When a serial killer say, I just can't help myself. So that excuse don't fly. God say, possess your vessel. Whatever your vice is, you need to possess your vessel. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. He didn't listen. We crying for God to do it. God said, hey, I ain't going to do it. You do it. Yeah. Possess your own vessel. And he, now God's not going to tell you to do something that you do not have the ability and capability come on, to do. Come on. Listen, I used to take the cavassier, uh, the, uh, the cognac. It comes with, and I guess most of them do, I've been so long. But I would take the cork out and smell the cork. Uh, smell the, listen, if I, if I try hard enough right now, I can still get that in my mind, get that scent. Right? So, listen, I may go in an environment somewhere, you go out to eat or whatever, not at Fat Floyd Smokehouse, there's no alcohol, but I get in an environment, <laughs> right? I get in an environment that I can, I can, I can, you know, that can bring back memories to me. You understand? <laughs> I did a certain environment and then you bring back memories, Luciano. Then I got to watch it. Possess my vessel. Possess your vessel. Right? So listen, we can't stay here in this environment. That's right. We can't stay here in this environment. I was at the uh this this thing, there was a guy in Houston, big rapper, uh, by the name of DJ Screw. He, he was a producer, he he made records. And so they had a uh, did a uh, a benefit thing for him uh, for for his family to raise money for his family, and he had a foundation. This that, and the other stuff. Another guy by the name of Andy Lau, who owned a, a record pressing compound, and uh, they did this big concert for him. So about five thousand people at the place. And so they uh, they had me come. They said we we, we want when I met Andy Lau because I was I know how to be a Christian around unsaved people, right? When I met Andy Lau, Andy Lau was impressed with me. Like, and, you know, he, he wanted to bring his wife to church and he wanted to talk. Every time I go around, he wanted to talk about God, you know, uh, smoking cigarettes, 90 to nothing. You know, but he, but he was genuinely, you know, he was, he was intrigued. I could talk to him about, he, he called me on the phone, right? And so uh, they had me come do a prayer at this concert with these 5,000 people, right? So they started at first, they're like, oh, we don't know if we should do this. We don't know if we should do this, this prayer. It may lose the people and this and that and the other. People may lose interest in the concert. So uh, they had a guy. He just died not long ago. But it's another guy, famous DJ in, in Houston. Some of these names you may find funny, but his name is Wicked Cricket. So Wicked Cricket's <laughs> on the stage, and I'm here waiting to come up and pray. Cricket, if you know the guy, he just talks. He just didn't. He's, God rest his soul. Dude just talks. So they're having a discussion whether they should even get me to do the prayer now because the concert is going crazy. This, that, the other. He's not hearing the discussion. Before you know it, he just called me up there. Right? <laughs> right? So then I start praying. And something miraculous happened. The same people who was just in all of the crazy cuss you out, 
have sex with everybody music. And I was doing like this. Oh, y'all know. You know? Right? So I'm up on the stage and I'm praying. Right? I prayed this prayer. And when I walked off the stage, he talked about light. When I walked off the stage and I walked through this sea of people, and you know, everybody that I walked through wanted to touch me. They were all reaching their hands to touch me. So, the point I'm making is, so the next year, once he saw it, it was good, he wanted to bring you back. Why are we going to bring you back to the next one, right? This, that, and the other. Possession of us. So I go, I'm sitting, they got, the venue's even bigger. They got a green room in the back. They got food and all this other kind of stuff for everybody to hang out. So I'm sitting in the back and I'm waiting on my turn. Y'all supposed to go on at this time. When I would go into these environments, they would invite me to regular release parties at clubs, this, that, and the other. When God had me working on somebody, I'm showing up, right? So, but I wouldn't go, I would go, I maybe have 15 minutes and I'm out of there, right? So here I am, 15 minutes. Hey, how you doing? You know, man, good for your success. Congratulate you. This, I'm gone. Back, never by myself. I'm back out the door. She knew exactly where I was going, what I'm doing. And it's allowed me to have some great relationships and do some great ministry to some very important people over the years, right? Man. So they sit me in this room and, and I, I got there at my time, you know, a few minutes before my time and I'm waiting. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, how long? So the whole time, you know, about, about 45 minutes in, they bring in these girls, right? This rap concert, right? And everybody understand what Daisy Duke Shorts is, right? <laughs> so here I am sitting down waiting with my people to go and do the prayer, and all of the Daisy Dukes has filled up the whole green room. So I tell them, I say, you know what, Doc? If you don't have me go on right now, I can't stay. I can't leave you. You know what I told him? You know how much respect he got? I told him my testimony. I said, I can't be around this environment. This ain't the environment for me. And I don't think no other preacher's ever been open and honest with them like that ever before. Amen. I said, I can't be around this. This ain't good for me. This is my story. This is where I come from. I don't, I can't be around it. Amen. And so I left. Possess your Amen. Amen. I don't think we talk enough about this in church. So when you don't talk about it, people don't know how to handle it when they come across these situations. When you find yourself in compromising situations with something you're weak about, you need to make an exit. Yes. Yes. From the situation. Don't just stand there and try to fight it. Flee. Leave the environment. Possess your vessel, write that down. Amen. Possess your vessel. It's up to you. The Bible says you put off the old man, you put on the new man. That's right. So many things happen in church amongst believers <coughs> because nobody will tell the truth. Preachers won't tell you. Uh, I, remember, I remember I used to think, you know, some guys, I would, I would think that some guys.